Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio and show number 525 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We are out there raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups are developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on all the great practice that's going on. Now you can visit engageforsuccess.org to learn more and while you're there, why not sign up for our weekly newsletter so you never miss out on any of our great free resources, invites to events and updates. And I'm Andy Gorham, your host for today's show and the founder of BizJuicer, an employee engagement, retention and cultural change consultancy that helps businesses become stickier from the inside out. Okay then, building and maintaining a great culture and a team of engaged and purposeful employees is, I think, tough enough for established, stable businesses. But that job gets even harder when you're a business that's going to grow or scale. All of a sudden, the influx of new people, new divisions, new products, new focuses, new challenges add a large dose of disruption to the situation. And if you aren't careful, you can easily lose all of the great things you've worked hard for and are the things that enabled you to scale in the very first place. Your culture can change. The levels of engagement and satisfaction, once held by your people and powered your performance, can drop off a cliff and cause you untold problems and pain. So, how do you scale a business and keep and even grow the levels of engagement and satisfaction as you grow? Well, with me today is Catherine Chabiron, who's an established expert in lean management with over 40 years' experience in tackling just such problems. So, who better to help us plot our way through this conundrum? Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me. It's smashing to have you here, Catherine. I, I know a lot of people will very much relate to this topic of scaling effectively that we're going to examine today. But before we get into all of that great stuff, can you just share a bit about your background with us, what you're doing, and why this topic today is so important to you? Well, I could say that uh, it's been important to me all my life, but although I didn't know how to put words on it initially, uh, I've never been very good at blazing my way through to solutions with top brass. You know those people who seem to be so confident about things. Uh, I, ha I always had to go and check and understand how it worked before I could come, come back with suggestions. And uh, it turned out uh, that uh, when I discovered lean management, it was very much in phase with what I had discovered. When you go to the field where frontline people are, you find people with a lot of creativity and a lot of ideas, but they also stuck with their own constraints, um, whatever is happening in their work environment. Uh, they do not see what uh, other constraints exist for other people that, for, from whom they are waiting for a response, for example. And they have a lot of misconceptions. 
Um, so the, the the whole point, what I was discovering actually more and more, is that the the the, the fact that you know which person to talk to on any given problem uh, is really opening doors. It makes really makes wonders, and uh, this is what I learned with lean management: how to come back with a sense of collaboration and teamwork and um, and uh, reaching out to people. That helps on engagement. Well, music to our ears on this radio station, Catherine, 100%. And so what do you spend a lot of your time doing at the moment? Um, where's your work focused? I'm, I'm for example, working with uh, companies, and I've been doing uh, that for the last 10 years. And uh, most of the, the work I do as part of the lean management approach is to help companies refocus on their customers um, and uh, and you can't do that just by saying, oh, the customers are lovely people and we love them and this is our top value. You have to do concretely things to help the customer. Uh, when you look at the internet today, you find a lot of uh, barriers made put between the customers and the services they are trying to reach. Um, you have chatbots and, and robots uh, all over the place, and it takes a hard time before you get to talk to humans. Uh, and this is true in, in every kind of uh, industry or service. So how, with complexity, do we keep the customer in focus? So I'm trying to help people uh, keep the customer in focus, and to do that, you need to engage everyone in the company not just a few brilliant experts who know things and have plans for marketing things and so on, but really every single person who has to deal with customers one way or the other, directly or indirectly. Because they are the ones that are bringing the brand to life every day or bringing the product exactly. or the service to life every exactly. day. Exactly, hey? exactly. So if they are not engaged, how can you hope to have a good service or a good product? Well, exactly. So let's let's have a little let's have a little dig into this topic today. Then, so um, we've established that we both love a bit of engagement, which is fabulous. Mm. But the context that I started to sort of set in the introduction today, um, we're talking about scaling effectively and and maintaining things like engagement. I mean, you have a lot of experience, Catherine, and I mean that most politely. Um, but you've been dealing with scaling businesses for a long time. I bet you've seen all manner of issues and solutions. But if we look at what perhaps are the big, mostly, I guess, common problems that businesses encounter when they're looking to grow and scale, what would they be in your experience? What should we be looking out for? Um, you mentioned my experience. Uh, I've seen scaling companies, but I've seen established very large companies as well. And uh, the number one problem is the complexity. The, the bigger you grow, the, the, the more complex you, you are. And there is a dream that maybe if we set up a number of rules and processes that everybody should go by, if we have a playbook, of what is to be done for every given circumstances, uh, maybe we will have a, a company flowing well and working well. And this is not a bad idea in a way, except that the process is not the best way to, to, pro to propose or to let go initiative. 
uh, and very often the process will take over the customer. I'm pretty sure uh, you've had situation where you're trying to reach uh, reach out uh, for some kind of hotline or service, and uh, you try to explain your problem and. Uh, after a while, the, the person on the line will tell you, oh, yes, but this is not my service. Please call us so-and-so. And this mm. is typically the process taking over the customer. I remember being in a hotel one day for a business meeting, and uh, we wanted to go to the outside. There was a lovely terrace on the garden. Uh, and we reached out, we, we went to that terrace and sat down and, and tried to order things. And we said, oh, sorry, it's not open yet. It will open in half an hour. Again, we were confronting with the, we were confronted with the process. It was not an issue to bring us drinks just a few meters away from the inside bar. Uh, but that was not the process. So this is what you get when you get complexity. The, the, the customer is fighting all the time against process that is imposed upon them. Uh, this is one of the big issues, but there are more. Uh, the second one is as you bring in a lot of CFOs, COOs, CTOs, CIOs, and so on, uh, you create silos of expertise. And you need those silos of expertise because you need deep expertise uh, when, uh, when the company is complex. But those silos will work for themselves. You know the story about how yeah. head office is seen versus the plant or how finance is looked at uh, strangely by the people or how purchasing is not understood by the people in charge of sales and so on. This is typically, typically silo. And the problem is how do we continue to do some teamwork or collaboration uh, across silos? It's, it's extremely complex. Uh, in our large organizations, on our growing organizations, because you have the same issue, even if you are 10 or 15 people, by the way. So the silo over teamwork is, is another issue. The, the third one is you are also very tempted to promote compliance uh, to your processes, compliance to your rules, rather than initiative. Uh, you want things to run smoothly. You don't want to have one head above the others. So you are promoting, recruiting clones uh, of people that are clones of yourself or clones of people who are abiding uh, with your rules. And this is not great for diversity and, uh, and engagement, by the way. So those are typically... Um, things that arise with complexity and probably explains why some of the startups, um, I think there are uh, statistics about 50% of the startups that fail within five years. And that could come from that, uh, not dealing correctly with the complexity. And what is it specifically do you think that you see that these three pieces around complexity, creating silos of expertise, and looking, I guess, compliance rather than just initiative. What do you see that doing? Uh, or, or rather, how is it affecting engagement? How is it destroying or, or putting decay into engagement? Is it a lack of connection and a, and a, and a movement of focus? What is it that you see? Let, let me give you uh, one example. If you have, uh, if you plan in one function a big change in a IT system, for example, uh, 
mm-hmm. um, you may want to do that because it simplifies your life as finance, for example, or accounting. Yeah. Uh, but it will create a, a lot of havoc in, in a lot of other functions, including frontline people, mm. because we don't know exactly what they are doing. We don't know exactly what their life is. We don't know exactly how they interact with customers. And we're going to give them a new interface, uh, a new system that they will not understand with poor data quality, because initially when you start with a new system, you, your data quality is horrid, because you don't understand how it is transformed into your system. So all this will impair uh, engagement and quality of service and quality of product uh, tremendously. This is just an example. Uh, this is why uh, with lean management and, and how we try to to counteract is to try to create areas of collaboration in what we call obeyas, big rooms where we discuss and where people in charge and functions are explaining the changes they are uh, implementing. For example, purchasing, to give another example, purchasing could decide that they're going to take advantage of a very low cost supply in China. Uh, and uh, by that way, increasing the lead time and, and creating needs for additional square meters. Uh, this is the kind of issue that you have to discuss, and it impairs the engagement towards the customers because the lead time may be affected. And the yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what we don't want is the tail wagging the dog and losing focus on our customers, which is what 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 you've been saying. So, when you're helping these organizations, uh, Catherine, if we look at the practical keys to tackling some of these issues and not losing sight of this quest to maintain, hey, even grow employee engagement and satisfaction while we're doing it, what are some of the practical keys to delivering that? Well, this this is what we try uh, to explain in the book Learning to Scale at Theodore Group, which is basically a case study on a startup that grew from zero to 700 uh, employees over m- more than 10 years or 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we went to see them and, and try to answer those questions with them and uh, as we observed them. And it was uh, obvious that the first thing that they're trying to do is to build trust. Uh, to build trust, you must make sure that people have tools that work, uh, an efficient work environment. Um, it's also a question of having the just-in-time training, not just in case, I insist, just-in-time training. So whenever you are needed on a specific uh, task, then how can we provide the, the necessary training just-in-time so that they are comfortable with it as they get as, as they they come into the company and they get to know all the different tasks and technical gestures that they will have to make mm-hmm. um, it's also a lot of problem solving um, and to create proficiency in problem solving and efficient problem solving not just looking at a problem and imposing a solution from the boss point of view but really thoroughly uh, identifying causes of issues and, and working on those and testing different solutions to, to mitigate the problem. So 
this trust building is the basis because if you don't have that, you will not have the engage the basic of in engagement. Engagement is actually when you hear engagement, you hear energy uh, yeah. because it it will require a lot of energy from your brain to come up with suggestions and improvements and so on, or to collaborate with people in other silos, because you'll have to convince them, you'll have to explain your constraints, you'll have to um, make sure that they understand that when they do this change, this has this impact on your activity. It's much easier to, to grumble in your corner and say, oh, look at those stupid guys, what they've done to me. It's more difficult to actually go and talk and explain and, and discuss and find a, a middle way. So it takes a lot of energy, and for that you need trust. And what lean management brings in addition is that it teaches you to look at the right problems, because every company has got a lot of problems. But to make sure we solve the customer problems and not the boss's problems, uh, we have the just-in-time that tells you, ooh, we're late on the lead time for that customer. What can we do to, to catch up? Um, and then we have, in lean management, a, a complete chain of management support that will come immediately when you call for help. So it's a no-blame culture, but also a problem-solving. The moment you call me, I get, I get to, to help. Uh, culture. Uh, it's very different from what we see usually. Uh, it's uh, scientific problem solving. It's support from management. It means team leaders very available for the frontline people. Um, and every time you solve a problem, it's not so much the sake of solving problems, but the point is to actually develop the people, whoever they are who, in, in the problem, uh, develop the people into a better capacity, technical capacity to do the job or in a better capacity or capability to collaborate. And in the end, as you grow people through problem solving, you get more trust, more confidence that you can do it, more confidence that you can improve things, uh, satisfaction and, and, proud and pride at improving things in your work environment or for the customer. And all this, again, nurtures the trust and the trust and the purpose of the company brings energy for collaboration. And again and again, you can engage. It's, it's really a virtuous circle. And it certainly sounds like it. Yeah. Sorry? I said it certainly sounds like it. I think the, the very opportunity of sitting people around a table, solving problems together who perhaps don't always work together is, I mean, that's a team building exercise in itself. So like you say, it's a virtuous cycle here that we're getting, getting into. I, I guess in, you've mentioned management and leadership. When we think about this, this, this environment, this ecosystem that you're talking about, what do you see as the role uh, of leadership in making all of this happen? Catherine, in your experience, what separated the successes from the failures when it comes to leadership? Well, this is what we tell in the book, Learning to Scale at Theodore Group. Uh, there is one story, for example, of um, C, uh, a, a chief technical officer uh, who is 
seeing somebody is is actually sitting next to because this is part of the, the leader's jobs from a dean point of view is sit next to people to see mm. where they uh, where they fight and uh, what's easy for them and what's not and he was looking this is a tech company building uh, apps application for mobile or, or the web and he, he was seeing this uh, de- designer he was he had developed code he had written code for an application and now you had to test it on a number of devices, um, smartphones and iPhones and so on. But you had to take different different ones from different brands with different uh, level of releases. And the guy lost a, 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 a lot of time uh, looking for the, 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 the physical devices, understanding how to upload the apps on it, um, checking it, checking the results and so on. So at the end, uh, the CTO sat down and said, is, this, is it normal conditions for you? And the guy said, well, no, it's taking a lot of time. And by the way, it's taking me so much time each time that I prefer to sort of batch my code and then do it only once because ooh, it's so terrible for me. So what we usually would have done then is the boss would have said, okay, but now I'll tell you how to do it so you can save time, do this, do that, and so on. This is not what they did. The the CTO or the boss said, why don't you take some time in the coming two weeks to try and find a way to decrease the, the time spent on the devices, which the, the person did, which the developer did, and came up with a solution. That brought a lot of time saving for not only him, but the entire teams. Mm-hmm. This is what I mean by developing people through problem solving. It's not telling them the solutions. It's agreeing with them what the, which problem should be solved and then letting them do it while supporting them in the solution. Just make sure that they don't err, that they have found all the causes that they are not engaged on the wrong way, but otherwise thoroughly letting them use their own creativity, creativity so that they can bring up their own solution. And think of the pride when you come with that kind of situation where you've solved the problem, not only for you, but for many people around you. So this yeah, is I mean, that... what leaders do. Lean leaders do. They, they sit down, they observe, they are spending time uh, on what we call the gemba, the place where things happen, where where the value is created, they spend a lot of time there. Uh, they look at them. They they also engage with people so that they can show them the purpose of what they we're trying to do, discuss on the right problems to be solved, provide support, and from a leader point of view, learn where the company stands. Because when you build a strategy, when you decide you want to take the company to this direction, you know the point B where you want to arrive, but you need to know the point A. You need to understand the capability of the company. So you need to be on the Gemba to check it and check the engagement and the level of engagement. So if I had a recommendation for leaders, it would be that starts going to the Gemba, stop the meeting, go where the things happen. And in your experience, do you see too many leaders staying away from that? Well, it's very easy with complexity growing 
to get absolutely drowned by uh, recruitment issues, uh, talent retention issues, uh, uh, customer issues. So you end up uh, trying to solve everything yourself or with a few few people around you. So you're absolutely, absolutely drowned. You're in meetings all the time. Uh, the whole point of Lean is to unleash the creativity from everybody so that everybody is doing problem solving, not just the boss or one or two experts, and particularly the people who've got the info, frontline people. How do they solve problems without support instead of us, the leaders, solving problems without their support and imposing the solution? So yes, when you scale up, this is the big risk is to actually get drowned in meetings and drawn far away from the customer. When you were two in the room, when you created your company, you, could, you knew the customer intimately. You were discussing with him or her every day. When you were growing to 150, 200, 700 people, 1,000 and more, you're done. The customer is totally lost unless you bring it back by going to the Gemba. I mean, this is a challenge for scaling businesses, isn't it? Time, ultimately, in that, you know, it is a, it is a time in a business's life when there is an awful lot of stuff going on, going on and everything comes with an urgent or important tag on it. And more and more people are pouring into the business um, every, every week, every month. And, I think this is one of those leadership practices where actually taking time to work the team, to grow the team, to solve the problem rather than coming with the quick fix yourself is the time that's well invested in a scaling business. Yeah. But it can feel counterintuitive, right? Well, it is counterintuitive because uh, particularly when you were you created your own company uh, because you think you know better. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, every problem is uh, contextual. Uh, it depends on uh, whoever is uh, on the on the team, uh, their capability, uh, what is the customer thinking, how many customers we have, because sometimes we have a sponsor, we have a user, we have a manager of project. So this is very contextual. So. Who could come in five and in five minutes decide that the solution is this? Nobody, no. except the people who are on the front line, providing we train them and we support them in their problem solving. Yeah, hundred percent. And sort of finally, before we think about um, wrapping this conversation up, um, Catherine, you mentioned for leaders. Get to the Gemba, get get down on the floor and understand what's going on. But for businesses right in the midst of scaling, who's struggling to keep engagement or are about to start the process and are planning, what is that biggest piece of advice that you give them, Catherine? Is it still get to the Gemba, or is is there something else you'd want ringing in their ears? I would say two things. Go to the Gemba, as, as I said, just to reconnect with frontline frontline people and and the customers and uh, unveil all the misconceptions we may have about our own company because it's growing and it's changing all the time. So you have Brilliant. to do that all the time. 
uh, and second, uh, organize areas for collaboration. Um, I mentioned earlier the Obeya. Uh, Obeya is a place where you get all your direct reports as a leader, for example, to meet, but that could be done in, in all the, the different layers of the company. Um, and this is a place where actually people from different silos or different functions uh, discuss changes, discuss difficulties, um, and, and focus on the impacts that uh, they will have on the company or the engagement of the company if they implement this and that. Uh, this is really, really useful. Uh, and focus, the, the third recommendation is problem solve, problem solve, problem solve. Everybody believes that they can problem solve, but or solve problems, sorry, but uh, it's not true. We're not so efficient at problem solving. It takes a bit of a scientific approach to, to do an efficient one, uh, but in the end, it pays off dramatically because people will learn so much. The whole point of problem solving is actually to reach the misconception that the people had, like, I thought it would work that way. And when you can put your finger on that, wow, you've created the learning. And it won't happen again with that person, at least. And that's what we're after, right? That, that is the solution we're looking for. Catherine, thank you so much for coming and spending some time with today. You've, you've left us with some, some, some great advice there. And I'm afraid that's just about all the time that we have for today. Um, listen, everyone, don't forget to visit uh, engageforsuccess.org and check out the show notes from this show and all of our fab free engagement resources. And you can also download or stream any of the great shows from our archive, all 524 other shows, completely at your leisure. Catherine, thanks so much for, for coming and sharing your thoughts and your huge experience with us today. Really appreciate it. If people would like to find about about you and the book, where should they go? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn, and I will believe that if they type learning to scale at Theodore Group, they will find it uh, online, uh, the book, I mean, uh, everywhere. So you're welcome to try and test it and, and listen, learn from this case study because there's a lot of learning there. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Okay, everybody, we'll be back again at the same time next week. I'm Benny Gorham, and thanks for listening to Engage for Success Radio. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.